0: heavenly father i thank you for who you are in our life today jesus you not only love us you are love thank you jesus that this love of it's in your very dna of who you are as we've already talked about this morning you loved us so much while we were yet sinners you died for us lord as we've sung about the 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 power of your blood as we have sung about the power of the cross lord I pray that you would help us not just sing about it today and not just experience it once lord But would you help us revel in the fact of your great love for us? Jesus we have seen you do these miraculous things around us. We want to join you in what you're doing But lord, we also want to listen to what you are saying So lord as we turn to your word now I pray that you'll help us not only open our hearts and minds to what it is you're saying, but Lord, I ask that you would give us the power to be obedient to what it is you're saying as well. It's in your strong name, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, how are we doing, church? we doing okay? This has been good so far, hasn't it? Oh, it has. If you don't know, I'll help you. It's been good. It's been a good day. It's going to get even better because we're going to hear from Jesus together. Take your Bible in and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As you navigate your device or turn in your print Bible to 1 Thessalonians 5, I want to ask you a couple questions. Have you ever felt dissatisfied in your spiritual growth? Have you ever cried out to God and said, God, help me. There's this internal turmoil inside of me. There's this struggle inside of me. I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do. I find myself with the things that I want to do that I'm not doing it, Lord. Help me. Have you found yourself at at a spiritual desert? Have you found yourself where there is bitterness or pride creeping in? Have you found yourself feeling like everyone else has victory but you? You don't see victory in your life. Friend, I share with you this morning that it's God's desire to take you deeper spiritually today. Not like next week, next month, not someday, not if all the stars align. Today. See, God is concerned with every part of your life. And I'm convinced that today He has planned something significant for you and me if we will listen. Now, I... I want to just encourage you with every ounce of my being to press into his presence and listen now I don't want you to listen because i'm talking we're going to hear a message from the lord We don't want to hear from one man or one woman We want to hear from the lord So if it helps you in your learning style to take notes pull out that pink sheet and take some notes today If that doesn't help you listen close because i'm convinced that jesus has a miracle for you today Or someone in your circle of influence if it's not directly for you You're going to need to reference this truth that god is giving to you today this week I'm confident it's for you This week right here and now You see what jesus wants to do today is help us not only see that he can free us from the guilt of sin He wants to free us from the power of sin and the message today that god has for us It is so practical by that. I mean it is something you will use this afternoon. You will use it tonight What's tomorrow monday? You will use it monday and tuesday and wednesday every day this week You desperately need what god has to say to us It is practical in that way. Without this, I don't have much hope for you this week or for myself. It's not only practical, it is absolutely powerful. I I, I should have warned first service. I'll warn you. Be careful what you do with this message because it not only has the ability, it has the probability to transform your life. You cannot stay the same if you embrace the truth that God has today. It is powerful. It is so, so practical, powerful, and I believe it's timely. For some of us when we hear this, it may strike a chord. There may be some understanding. There may be some new things. But Jesus wants to do something this hour for you. Eternal kingdom stuff now. And there's some good times that we think about something. There's some good times that we contemplate on that. But friends, I believe that for many, many of us, it is right now in this hour what you have been longing for, your soul has been craving for, Jesus is ready to give that to you now. And I believe it's rooted in this passage of Scripture we're going to look at together. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful and He will do it. See, the Christian life, it's, it's more than just an emotional experience. There's emotions that happen in following Jesus, and emotions aren't bad. But I like what, what uh, Dallas Willard and, and even Richard Foster do some similar writing on this, where they say that emotions make good servants but horrible masters. They're good to have, but they're not good to just follow blindly. They make a good caboose, but a bad engine. But as we we see these emotions, it's it's not bad to have emotions, but it's more than an emotional experience. The Christian life, it's more than just following a list of rules. It's more than just subscribing to a creed of belief. It is experiencing and living a vibrant, day-by-day relationship with Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the moment that you accepted Christ into your life, by faith, you began a personal relationship with him. If you're here today and you have accepted Jesus in your heart, if you are a Christian, if you are saved, if you're a born-again believer, that may not be everybody, but if that is you, I want to talk to you real quickly about four things that have happened in your life. You may not be able to recite them, you may not have known that these have taken place, but it happened in you. If you are a Christian, this is what has happened in your heart. First forgiveness you have experienced forgiveness where do we get that all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name acts 10:43 not only have you received forgiveness if you are a christian you also have been justified you've received justification for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and are justified freely by his grace Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You were forgiven of your sin. You were justified. That just means it was just as if you had never sinned. the, The slate was wiped clean. But not only were you forgiven, were you justified. If you're a Christian, this has taken place in your life. You can claim it for yourself. God's word tells you it is there. You also have been adopted. You have experienced adoption. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That has happened in your life. And finally, regeneration. You've been forgiven. You've been justified. You've been adopted. And you have been made new. You've been regenerated. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Now, those first two pieces of God's promise, we're going to look together at God's promise, and then after we look at God's promise, we're going to look at our need, and then we're going to look at our response to that. But looking at God's promise, this is what happened if you were a Christian. Those first two, forgiveness and justification, those are God's objective promises. In other words, that's God's gift of grace for you. That's what He's done for you. But those final two Number three and number four, adoption, regeneration. That's God's subjective promises. That's what the gift of God has done in you. Now those last two, adoption, regeneration, those were affected in you by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian, this has taken place. If you have accepted Christ, if you have been saved, if Jesus is in your life, this is what has happened. You need to be able to articulate it because there's more that he wants to do. And if we don't understand what he has first done, how can we understand what he next wants to do? Those last two promises, they were affected in you by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, adoption, regeneration. See, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life, that's called initial. Sanctification now, don't be afraid of those words. We're going to unpack those together. We're going to reclaim those words together We're going to make sure they have deep meaning in our heart together But that's what took place when you were adopted into god's family when you were made a new creation The holy spirit of god was in you at the point of salvation and this is initial sanctification now sanctification. What does that mean? It it has a very clear and simple meaning. It means to be set apart And when we are sanctified to God, we are set apart for God's holy use. So if you sanctify something, you reserve it only for that purpose, only for that use, nothing else. And so when God sanctifies us, He reserves us for His holy purpose, His holy use. Now, that word, initial, That doesn't mean like the first letter of your name and and then then like, you know, the the first letter of your last name. It's not, not those initials. It's the initial, the beginning. Initial sanctification means this. Initial means that God, the Holy Spirit, begins his sanctifying work in you the moment that Jesus comes into your life. The moment that he takes up residency in your heart. That's God's promise. It begins with his amazing grace of forgiveness. And then we are justified then we are adopted, then we are made new, we are regenerated. But friend, God doesn't stop there. The power of what He has for us today is that is only part of what He wants to do. We have a two-fold problem, and God brings us a two-fold answer. Those four things were a part of the first part of our problem and our sin problem, and now I want us to explore the second gift that He gives to us. He promises a deeper work of grace when the Holy Spirit is not just resident in our life. He is present in our life. He doesn't just come into our life and He's there. He becomes in charge. He directs. He guides us in our everyday life. That is called entire sanctification. So initial sanctification is we get God at salvation. Now, sometimes we get confused. It's not that, well, when I'm saved, I get God 1.0. And when I'm sanctified, I get God 2.0. I get more of God. No, 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 friend. If you are a Christian, if you are saved, if you're a born-again believer, you have all of God that there is. He's not holding out on you. But the question is, are you holding out on him? Does he have all of who you are? When I'm saved, I bring God my sin, and I confess it to him, and I surrender to him. I stop fighting against him. When I am sanctified, I give him myself. I consecrate my life. I let him take every part of who I am. That's entire sanctification. Now as you're reading your Bible, that, that phrase, entire sanctification, you'll see it brought out in some other phrases that mean the same thing. It's synonymous. Phrases like Christian perfection. We find that in Matthew 5, 48. Christian holiness in Romans 6, 22. Perfect love in 1 John 4, 16 and 18. Heart purity. Fullness of the blessing. Being filled with the Spirit. All of these things are referring to the same work of entire sanctification. Well... Well, what does that mean to us? We heard the words from Apostle Paul. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This is exactly what Paul is talking about. I want to say it for a second time. Many Christians live their entire life unfulfilled, frustrated in their life because they've never experienced God's deeper work of grace in their life. But friend, he is promising you this gift. He doesn't want you to wait to next week, to next month. He doesn't want you to think about it or just study about it. He says, my truth is here. You know, it's not the parts of the Bible that we, we don't understand that gives us most of the trouble. It's the parts of the Bible that we do understand that we don't move in obedience that causes all the trouble in most people's lives. And hear this truth Jesus is going to present to you today. You're not only going to understand what he has done, understand what he is offering, but we're going to look at not only his promise, our problem, and our potential response. So let's let's look at our need. That's his promise. That's what he's promised. He's promised to give us salvation and entire sanctification. I ask you this morning, what's your deepest need today? If you would think about this, if you were really transparent and honest, maybe some of you would say my deepest need is financial. The bills are piling up. There's more going out than what's coming in. There's not the amount of work that you need. The paychecks seem to get smaller and smaller. The bills seem to get higher and higher. The expenses go up. You do what you can to try to take them down, but it goes the opposite way. You would feel like my deepest need is financial today. For some of us, that's what's in the front of our mind. Others, if you'd really wrestle with that, it may not be a financial crisis. It may be the pain emotionally that you feel right now. Oh, you don't advertise it, but you're battling depression. You're battling anxiety. You have wounds, emotion that's so deep. There has been some things that you have wrestled with. You feel so lonely. You feel so hurt. And and many of them are so justified. And this would feel like your deepest need is the emotional pain that you are facing today. Others you'd say, Brady, it's not, not financial. It's not emotional. It's in that relationship. It's with your spouse. It's with your kids. It's with your siblings. It's with that friend who you thought was a friend there is pain. There is tension. There is betrayal by you or by them. There is backstabbing. Your heart is so wounded. You grieve the brokenness in that relationship. Maybe that's what the deepest need feels in your life. Maybe you say, Brady, it's not, it's not financial. It's not emotional. It's not a relationship. It's flat out my body. They're physical. Your body this morning is racked with pain. You're doing your best to listen, but you can hardly listen because your body hurts so bad. Your body is fighting that disease. Your, your body is so crippled right now, but what you're facing, you're, you're having struggles to even get that out of the forefront of your mind. You've talked with the doctors. They've done everything they know to do. There's still question marks. You say, the biggest struggle I have is a physical problem. One, if that's you today, I want you to know that those are very real. I want to validate that, but more importantly, the Lord validates that. If you don't have plans tonight at six o'clock or if you can change them join us We're going to have a healing service and take those needs and ask the lord for his healing tonight at six o'clock You don't want to miss that But as real as they are and as much as the lord wants to meet those needs I would argue that biblically this morning. We could see that is not your greatest need I don't mean it's not important. I just mean it's not the greatest need need I believe scripture will tell us that the greatest need in your life and in my life is to know Jesus Christ and to become one with him. That's the greatest need. Paul says this, I have put aside all else, counting it worth less than nothing in order that I can know Christ and become one with him. He was in prison writing he was mocked he was hurting he had a thorn in the flesh He had all kinds of pressures coming down on him He said all of my other needs are rubbish compared to knowing jesus and to becoming one with him That's the greatest need The scripture tells us that there's a dynamic at work in your life in my life right now That's very real It's in the present that is trying to keep you away from oneness with god that dynamic is called sin James 4, 17, anyone who knows the good that he or she ought to do and doesn't do it sins. It's God says, this is my law. You say, I know it. I want to do what I want instead of that. This temptation to sin, this sinful life, this dynamic is at work to keep us away from right relationship with God. Now, now don't miss this. For us to understand our need, we've got to get this right. See, you and I, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners now that's not dr. Seuss. That's not a riddle. Let's unpack that You're not a sinner because you've made a mistake every now and then You're not a sinner because you've had a lapse in judgment You're not a sinner because you have done something wrong friend. It's the other way around You and I are born with a bent towards evil. We have this inherited sin and this original sin that we have inherited that's been passed down through us. Every human being since Adam and Eve has been passed down with this original sin. Because we are sinners, that's why we sin. We have this problem inside of us. So we not only have the, the personal sin, the acts, the deeds, the things that we say and do that are wrong, we also have this sinful nature in us and God wants to give us a remedy for both. And that is the core of our problem. Sin. Our sin acts and our sin nature. We've already observed how God is so gracious and has provided this freedom from sin through the cross. We've sung about it. We've talked about it already today. But, But hear it like this. See, Jesus died on the cross to free you from the guilt of sin so you could know Christ. Many of us have encountered that. But not only does Jesus want to wipe away the guilt, not only does He want to give you a get out of hell card, He wants you to go to heaven and and be in relationship with Him. Jesus died on the cross to set you free from the power of sin. He wants to break the back of the power of sin in your life. And so that tendency to want to do the wrong thing, that tendency towards self, He wants to sanctify us entirely and, and bend us towards Him. Freedom, not only from the guilt of sin, but from the power of sin. You see, God knows that your greatest need is not just to treat the result of sin, the symptom in your life. He wants to address the cause in your life. Listen to Paul's words. Who will free me from the slavery of the sinful nature? Thank God, he says, it has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. In other words, Jesus died to free you from the power that sin can have over your life. You can be a born-again Christian. You can love Jesus. And you can still have this internal conflict in your soul. This, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? Why are the things that I want to do, I don't do? Jesus says, I want to break the power of that sinful nature in your life. I say it again. Many Christians live an unfulfilling and frustrated life because they have never experienced God's deeper work of grace in their life and he promises to sanctify you through and through. Another way of putting this is this. If you think of the heart of someone who is unsaved, who is not a believer, they do not have Christ in their life. They don't profess Christ. They are not a Christian. They do not have any conflict internally. Now they have problems. A life of sin will lead to problems for sure. But internally, there's no fight for who's in charge because self they are in the power seat. They are in charge But if you look at the heart of a believer of someone who is saved a christian They have christ in their life, but often there is this problem this power struggle Oh, yes, they have problems in their life. That's just jesus says expected in this world You'll have trouble but take heart i've overcome the world but internally This fight with who's in charge, who has the power seat, this person who's a Christian, who is not sanctified entirely, who's not filled with the Spirit in this way, they are constantly having to do battle, who's in charge? This is the tendency to say, God, I love you. I confess my sin to you. I want you in my life. And I'm even willing to be obedient. Would you give me the turn-by-turn directions? I'll check the route, see how I feel about it, and get back to you and see what I can do. Uh, this is that struggle of who's in charge god or me. Hey, I, I'm doing good. I've accepted Jesus. He says hey, hey There's another way to live the heart of a spirit-filled believer There's no internal conflict because they are off the power seat. Jesus is in control and they've settled that big and final. Yes you see Jesus gives us these words He came to die for you that you may have life, eternal salvation, and that you can have it to the full, entire sanctification. Remember, when you are saved, you get all of God that there is. But when you are entirely sanctified, he gets all of you. You let him have control of every area of your life. That's God's promise. That's our problem. But now let's look together at what our response could and should be. As we dive into that, because we don't want to just gain information today, that's good. We want to take application, and when we have information and application, it can lead to transformation. It will lead to transformation if we apply it. This first principle we've got to catch, or everything falls apart. You and I cannot earn our salvation, or excuse me, our sanctification, any more than we can earn our salvation. I cannot earn my sanctification any more than I can earn my salvation and our tribe we get this about salvation pretty well We know that jesus doesn't save me because of how hard I work. I'm not saved He doesn't forgive me my sins because i've tried to clean up do better work hard pull myself up by my bootstraps Try to be a good boy try to be a good citizen vote the right way say the right things Don't drink and smoke and chew and go with girls that do and that's why he saves me No friend you and I are saved from the pit of hell because of grace and faith and him and his grace alone that's it. He calls us to obedience, but that's where our salvation is That was Daniel's heart. I don't know why he loves you. I don't know why he loves me It's nothing what we deserve. It's what he's given to us, but Just as true as that is, not only can you and I not earn our salvation, we can no more earn our sanctification than we can our salvation. But in our tribe, sometimes we work so hard, I'm going to do better, I'm going to read more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to try to do everything I can to set myself apart for God. Friend, you cannot. All of God's grace is appropriated by faith. Salvation and sanctification. See, the Bible gives us some keys to entire sanctification and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to lead us through quickly a little acrostic that will help us as a memory device, the word fill, F-I-L-L, and help us see what does the Bible actually call you and me to do with this promise that God has given us. In light of our problem, in light of our sin, our sinful acts, and our sinful nature, what do we do with His gift of salvation and sanctification? What is our response to be with this? First... Face the root of the problem. You and I are to confess our sin. You'll never be filled with the Holy Spirit until you acknowledge the basic sinfulness in your life. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, to receive forgiveness means that I must repent, I must confess the sin in my heart to God. Repent literally means here to quit the sin business and start doing what God wants me to do. To confess means I agree with what God says about my sin. Not only do I agree that it's unacceptable, I agree I have nothing in me to solve the problem. I confess, God, I can't fix this. I need His Saving and sanctifying work now notice this verse 1 John 1 9 Tells us what God will do. He will forgive my sins plural And he will cleanse me from all unrighteousness singular. He will free me from the guilt of sin of my sins He will he will free me from the power of the sinful nature cleansing me from unrighteousness Living the sanctified life, being entirely sanctified, doesn't mean it's impossible to be disobedient to God. Doesn't mean it's impossible to sin. It means by God's power, it's possible not to live under that burden of sin. Face the root of the problem. God is calling many of us here today to start right here, this hour. Not next week, not next month, like now. Face the root of the problem. You see, this is something that Paul tells us in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is a dying out to myself. It means that I have to be, get to the place where I am so loathing sin in the sinful nature that I'd rather die than this to continue in me. It takes that desperation, that dependency to get rid of the self-centered ego, not in my strength, but in my trust and dependence on him. Paul gives us these words in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I die every day. It's a daily dying out to Him. Some of us today, we may be receiving the the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We may be entirely sanctified for the first time. But there's others here today, it may be a renewal of the Holy Spirit. I'll talk more about that in just a minute. But it is a daily thing with the Lord. Many of you here this morning, what you need in your life is not another spiritual band-aid. You don't need a booster shot. You don't need another spiritual emotional tingle. You don't need the power of positive thinking. What you need today is a radical soul surgery where you die out to yourself and you allow your agenda to be the Holy Spirit's agenda. And you say, Jesus, I not only want to give you my sin, I not only want to surrender to you and stop fighting against you, I want to consecrate my life and give you myself. He has called you and me to live in his victory. But the enemy, if he can't get you to reject the gift of salvation, he'll try to get you to live the Christian life with only half of the blessing he wants to give you. And Jesus says, I have given you life. Eternal life. Salvation. And life to the full. Entire sanctification. I want to give you the power to live victorious in that life. I urge you to not only face the root of the problem, uh, I urge us... To invest our entire devotion. Dying out to our sinful heart paves the way to investing our devotion and consecration to the Lord. Now, we talk about surrender and consecration, and and sometimes we use that interchangeably, and I think it can be okay, but there's some deeper, richer meaning I don't want us to lose. When I surrender, this is the rebel fighting against God, waving the white flag, saying, I give up, I will not fight against you anymore, I'm surrendering. But consecration is a forgiven rebel, one who is no longer fighting against God, who says, I have accepted you, Father, and, and now I consecrate my life. So, another way to look at this is, When I surrender, I often choose what I surrender, because I feel had or got. It's like a contract that I would fill out, and I would say, God, I'm going to choose to give you this. I'm going to choose to give you this. I'm going to choose to give you this. I feel pretty good about what I'm going to give you. I sign it and say, here you go, God. I surrender these things to you. And the Lord wants us to surrender, but there's a time when he says, oh, Brady, I've got a better idea. Why don't you just go ahead and sign the check and i'll fill in the amount later Why don't you sign the bottom of the contract that's blank and i'll fill it in later. I consecrate jesus You are now in charge. It's no longer me in the power seat. You are in the power seat. I invest my entire devotion Friend I ask you Does god have full control over every area of your life? Is he the one that controls your calendar? Is he the one that controls Your finances. Is he the one that controls your relationships, your dreams, your priorities, your plans, your possessions? Friend, you and I both might as well forget being filled with the Holy Spirit and the wonderful blessings that come with it if we are not allowing God to be 100% in control. 95% won't do. Second place won't cut it for God. If he is not Lord of all, he really isn't Lord at all in our life. We face the root of the problem, our sin. We invest our life in surrender and consecration to Him. And third, we look to Christ's cross. He forgives us not only for the guilt of our sin and frees us from the power of our sin, but He wants us to be holy and it's only in His power. Hebrews thirteen twelve. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through His own blood. Every benefit that Christ purchased for you on the cross, we talked about the power of the blood, talk about the power of the cross, every bit he purchased for you on the cross is appropriated to you by grace. I remember when this was fleshing out of my own life when I sensed the need to be sanctified holy to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be entirely sanctified. I began to say god i 'm going to do everything I can. I did everything I could to do better. I studied more, I read more, I prayed more, I worked more, and I did every single thing. I I could to be sanctified But the problem was I did everything but trust god's promise And as long as I was trying I was not trusting in his promise. I was trusting in my ability to sanctify myself But when I truly placed my trust in his promise Just as much as I cannot save myself. I cannot sanctify myself I want to do my part jesus But I need you and your power now. Sanctify me through and through. See, my part is to trust God with my life. And His part is to sanctify me to Himself. Friend, your part is to trust God with every part of your life. His part is to sanctify you. Look to Christ's cross. Finally, we are to live in humble obedience. Remember the holy spirit is not some distant impersonable star wars type mystical force the holy spirit is a person Consequently he can be grieved. He can be wounded Being filled with the spirit requires Continually a commitment to follow the leading of the holy spirit to be obedient when I am not obedient to the voice of the lord There causes a rift a problem and there is some pain there and I can end up grieving the holy spirit Well, how do we do that? Well, from context of Ephesians 4.30 and the verses around it, Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. It can look like this, stretching the truth. That's politically correct speak for lying. Barring without returning. You know what that is? Stealing. Defacing another person's character. Good old-fashioned gossip. Getting even. Otherwise known as harboring unforgiveness and bitterness. The Holy Spirit says, I grieve the loss of intimacy and closeness with you when you act in these ways. Follow my leading. The Spirit of God calls to us. The Holy Spirit can also be quenched. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not stifle or squelch the fire of the Spirit. How do I do this? I presume on God's grace. This is spiritual apathy, spiritual laziness. Ah, oh, he'll, he'll, he'll forgive. Oh, God doesn't care. I'm squelching the fire of the Spirit in my life Taking God's blessings for granted living with ingratitude. I'm squelching the fire of the Holy Spirit Failing to walk my talk. This is hypocrisy. I say one thing and do another squelches the power of the Spirit in my life flirting with evil See when I play with Satan's fire Not only will I get burned But I will stifle the fire of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, I cannot demonstrate my presence and my power in a life that is cluttered with such activities. Friend, Scripture tells us we are to face the root of the problem, our sin. We are to invest our entire devotion to not only surrender, but to consecrate our life to God. We are to look to Christ's cross, not in our strength, but in our dependence and faith and grace alone in Him. And finally, obey, live in obedience. I don't just seek his power for myself. I seek his power to do what he wants to do. True freedom, we talked about a few weeks ago, is not freedom to do what I want. True freedom is to have the freedom to do what he wants. As Pastor Edgar comes, I believe this morning God wants us to respond to his word. And I want to give us an opportunity to do that. Sometimes we chew and think on it and and rest on it for a long time But as I said earlier friend It's not the parts of the Bible that you don't understand that give you the most trouble in your life It's the parts of God's revelation that you do understand that we've not acted on and somebody here today There is freedom waiting for you God is calling you to say God not only do I want to give you my sin. I want to give you myself Would you sanctify me holy? Now, there's some here today that this may be the first time that you surrender and consecrate your life to the Lord this way. Your first experience, an entire sanctification, that's going to be powerful. But there's others here that you have known the fullness of the Spirit in your life. I want to speak about that for just a second. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we find Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the first time. And the apostles were filled with the Spirit. Those in the upper room is a powerful thing. If you've not read that, go home and read it. You'll never get a nap in. It's amazing. But these people who are radically following God, filled with His Spirit, sanctified through and through, the way Paul is talking about. If you keep reading, they minister, they serve, they're persecuted, and then in Acts four thirty one. the same group of people, the Scripture says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is ridiculous. Acts chapter two verse four, all filled with the Spirit. Acts four thirty one, all filled with the Holy Spirit. I studied that all. Men all. Filled. then filled. The Holy Spirit was the same Holy Spirit. What happened? Did they lose it? Did it not take? No. There was a constant renewal of the Holy Spirit. As they were living in obedience, they needed another outpouring of the Spirit. Paul says, I die daily. And there may be some here today, you say, Pastor Brady, it's not that I've never surrendered my life. I am so aware. I need a renewal of the Holy Spirit today. But somebody will see, this is so practical, it's going to come and hit you today. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, somebody's going to see that there's power here, there's transformation waiting for you, and the time is now. So if God's been speaking to you, don't come and pray at the altar. I'm going to open that up in just a minute, because I'm asking you to. That, that's a silly reason. But come because you sense the, the very Spirit of God nudging you. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up, step out, and come pray. Some may think, where you why do I have to pray there? I don't want to come there and pray. Can I Can not pray at my seat? Hey, you can pray anywhere. But when Jesus was doing the miraculous with people, he often would say, come, come, step out, come follow me. He knew something happened. When we put feet to our faith, it began to put us in a position to receive what he wanted to do. If you can't kneel at these altars, just come sit in the front row. That's okay. Others, you may have a voice that gets on your shoulder and says, Pastor, pray I've been a leader in this church for decades. What would people think about me if I come forward at a response time like this? Friend, that's Satan giving you lies. They'd probably think that you want more of the Holy Spirit poured in your life. They'd probably think that you need a renewal of the Holy Spirit. They'd probably think that it's the best decision in your life. But forget all that stuff. Who cares what they think? We care what God thinks. Hear me. Oh, i trying to tell you everything in my heart. Don't come down here because I'm asking you to. That's silliness. But if you sense the very voice of God, He is speaking right now. If that's you, don't wait. Stand up right now and come and meet me at this place of prayer at the altar. We'll pray together. Don't wait. Let's come and meet Him right now.